Are you wanting more Totally Mackinac Island podcast? Well, here's how you can get it. Be sure to follow Totally Mackinac Island podcast on Instagram. Not only do I share everything that I talk about on the podcast, but then throughout the rest of the week, I share other invaluable information that is actually going on on the island at that very moment. How that is done, up in my Instagram stories. I also like to share a bunch of pictures and videos that I have taken throughout my visit on the island. Another great way for more information about the podcast is always go to the blog. There I have all the links available for everything I have discussed. That is www.totallymackinaw.com. If you go on there, you will find everything I have ever discussed on the podcast, how you need to link up to it, and what other information you can have. As always, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have learned so much. I love sharing all that I can with you. It has actually even helped me learn more about the island. And I always appreciate those reaching out to give me more information to share with everyone else. Now back to the show. Located on the crystal blue waters of Lake Huron lies Mackinac Island. She is tucked in between Michigan's upper and lower peninsulas. Indulge me as I share all the ins and outs of the place that stole my heart. This is totally Mackinac Island. Hello and welcome to Totally Mackinac Island. I am your host, Heather. Very excited to share that today it falls very close to the actual date of two years since um, Totally Mackinac Island podcast was born and this is the hundredth episode. Now, I probably would not have gotten to a hundred episodes had I not been crazy last year and decided to do two episodes a week during the summer, which that, I hate to say, will not happen again. That was a lot to try and do in that time, but I just love sharing all the information with you guys. So, I shared I think I shared this with you guys before I shared recently on Instagram in the reels I like to watch somewhere in time before I go up to the island it's just a tradition that I have and the one thing that I can say is that movie somewhere in time I actually fell in love with Mackinac before knowing that I was in love with Mackinac Island because we watched this movie when I was little my mom showed it to us because um, Christopher Reeve was in it and we loved him because of Superman and then Jane Seymour because I think she'd been in like one of the Sinbad movies and we really liked her long hair I'm sure that sounds crazy to you guys but that's another reason we love Crystal Gale and I had shared some stuff and I have found so many people on Instagram that have which I'm not shocked this huge following for it so I I know I talked about somewhere in time on one podcast, but I decided to do a little bit more of a deep dive. And I thought, what more nostalgic way to do that than to come on for the 100th episode and share this information with you guys. Um, it has been fun researching this. And a lot of it I did know, but a lot of stuff I found out that was very fun. And I hope you guys enjoy it. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this because there's a lot of information to share. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off with a quick synopsis of Somewhere in Time. Um, in 1972, playwright Richard Collier, Christopher Reeve, becomes fascinated by a photo of Elise McKenna, Jane Seymour, a turn-of-the-century stage actress, while staying at the Grand Hotel in Mackinac Island, Michigan. As Richard's obsession grows, he learns from a friend that time travel might actually be possible through hypnosis. Richard travels in time to meet Elise, and the two appear destined to be together. However, Elise's jealous manager, Christopher Plummer, attempts to keep them apart. All right, so one thing that people often ask, and this is something that I have seen across coming across Instagram, how can I watch Somewhere in Time? Now, since it's become more of the digital era, I know that it can be somewhat difficult for people that aren't familiar with that. I'm going to share more for you to look into the digital options. I own Somewhere in Time through Amazon Prime and also through um, Apple TV. Here are some other ways that you can watch it, all right? Tubi, it's free. Amazon Prime Video from $3.79. YouTube from $3.99. 
Google Play Movies and TV from $3.99, Apple TV from $3.95, Redbox from $3.99, and Vudu from $3.99. Um, what this generally means is that you can rent it for that. Um, I think it was $7.99 when I bought it. I don't know. I didn't even think about it. Uh, so those are some options for you for the digital. If you would like to get it on DVD, you can get it on Amazon for $7, eBay as low as $2.98, Walmart has it for $12.37, and um, they even have like, there's some that is at Walmart that there's like three movies on there. It's got Coal Miner's Daughter, Mask, Somewhere in Time for $7.50, which those are all incredible movies. So there's a bunch of different options for you to look into with that. Etsy even has it too. And a lot of times the nice thing about DVDs is there's bonuses on there for you to check out. So in case you want to watch it again, that is where I would suggest going. I am sharing on Instagram different clips from it because I have access to it. So that's what I've been doing and people really seem to enjoy that. All right, so I'm going to get into the Hall of History. This is available from somewhereintime.tv. This is a website that really has a lot of great information on there. So this is where I'm getting a lot of information to share with you guys. So this is Milestones for Somewhere in Time, the most romantic love story ever filmed. Famed science fiction horror author Richard Matheson publishes his novel Bid Time Return in 1975. He was inspired by having seen the photo photograph of the famous American stage actress Maude Adams in Piper's Opera House in Virginia City, Nevada. He researches her and finds many interesting puzzling facts of her oddly reclusive life after spawns his theory that it may have been a love affair. 1976, studio lawyer Stephen Dutch, now Simon, reads and loves the novel and seeks out Matheson, makes a handshake agreement to someday turn the novel into a film. Again, remember that is called Bid Time Return. 1978, Stephen Dutch, Richard Matheson, Jeanette Swars, I think, Swark, excuse me. I have my glasses on, but I still can't see. Um, team up to revive screenplay, and through much arm twisting with Universal, finally get the green light to make the film. Universal owed Swark a favor for Saving Jaws 2, which becomes the biggest hit for the studio that year. Swark calls in his favor his favorite desire to make sit, but studio, um, but studio relents only with the condition that they cut the budget in half. 1979. January. Hotel Del Coronado is found unsuitable for filming because it has too many modern changes, including aluminum windows, antennas on the roof, and also high-rise convention center on property and modern tennis courts. From the book, Great American Hotels, Grand Hotel is spotted and director-producer visit Mackinac Island in February when it is covered in ice and snow to scout location. The decision is made for the movie's location. Filming of Somewhere in Time, Universal Studios, starring Christopher Reeve, Jane Seymour, and Christopher Plummer, retitled from Bid Time Return. Filming begins last week of May in Chicago for five days and then six weeks June through July 16th on Mackinac Island, Michigan. Joe Addy falls into working on sit, which is somewhere in time, though, um, unique circumstances for her article, Barely in Time. 1980, cast and crew screening April 12th, Universal Studios Backlot. Premiere of Somewhere in Time, Grand Hotel, Mackinac Island, September 17th, 18th, 19th of 1980. During the actor's strike, stars are un unable to attend. Film release October 3rd, 1980. This is considered the birth of the film. Summer in Time runs in theaters for approximately three short weeks. Critics mostly trash the film through a great review appears of Variety magazine. Actors cannot make public appearances or talk shows to promote it during strike, so no positive buzz can be generated for it. 1981. So, film receives its only Academy Award nomination for Best Costume Design, but loses it to the film test. The film is resurrected through the existing cable stations. First to show it is now defunct Z Channel in California. Audience reaction to astounding cable stations received countless calls and letters making it run over and over. Soundtrack. This is the big one. This is what everybody loves. The soundtrack sales are phenomenal. Soundtrack by John Barry. 
SIT is used as a test by Universal running on all of its cable stations then in its existence to see the impact cable can have on a soundtrack sales market. Article detailing this appeared in Variety magazine. 1984. Summer in Time is released in the Orient. It becomes a blockbuster hit in Hong Kong, running in the Palace Theater for 18 months straight, to lines waiting to see it. Summer in Time eventually ranks sixth in the top 10 highest grossing films of all time in China, named so in the late 1990s. Four of the top 10 are Chinese, six are American films. 1990. In April, Bill Shepard founds Insight, international network of Summer in Time enthusiasts, and publishes its first issue of Quarterly Magazine. 1991, October. The first Summer in Time weekend is held at the Grand Hotel in Mackinac Island, Michigan. Celebrities include director um, Jeanette Zwork, Richard Matheson, costume designer Jean-Pierre Dorlach, and among others. I apologize if I'm butchering these names. I'm doing the best I can with this. 1992, October, Summer in Time weekend is documented in first Summer in Time event video. Produced by Jim and Joe Addy, documenting the phenomenon for all to enjoy. And among other highlights. 1993, October, Insight unveils its tribute to Summer in Time, a permanent monument to the film in nickel bronze plaque with a laser engraved photo commemorating the Is It You site. Director and cinematographer unveil plaque during Summer in Time weekend. October, Summer in Time weekend is documented in event video number two, including Fabulous Day's celebrity panel, featuring director, cinematographer, and private interviews with each. Annual Summer in Time weekends at Grand Hotel are always sold out events for the weekend of their season. 1994. In May, Bill Shepard publishes his book, The Summer in Time Story, a detailed account of the history of the film from Richard Matheson's inspiration all the way through the production to the film's achieving cult classic status. Now in its fifth printing, updated in May 2002, this is the one collectible no fan should be without. I ordered this book right before Prime Days, and it's not here now for it. So I will go through the book and have another time that I will go over it with you guys. I apologize that it just did not come. October, Christopher Reeve returns to Mackinac Island for Summer in Time weekend. This is in 1994. Two hour best moments coverage, including fabulous private interviews with Chris, Susan French, and editor of the Summer in Time event video. I believe this is, um, this happened right before like months before he became paralyzed, which is heartbreaking. 1995, Joe Addy conducts an interview with Jane Seymour on the set of Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. The interview, which took place the day before Summer in Time's 15th anniversary celebration, is featured on the 15th anniversary event video available online store. Joe Addy holds 15th anniversary celebration for the film in Los Angeles. Jane Seymour attends along with 18 other Somewhere in Time celebrities. 1997, February, the official Somewhere in Time website debuts, authored and designed by Jim and Joe Addy. Then, April, Insight honors Christopher Reeve with his star on Hollywood Walk of Fame. Jane Seymour and Glenn Close are in Insight chosen speakers. Afterglow party held in Cheers Bar set, located in Hollywood Entertainment Museum. August, Joe Addy holds a Midwest Regional Summer in Time event in Chicago, Illinois at the Art Deco Movie Palace. The Gateway Theater event gives fans opportunity to celebrate the film for less expense with local Chicago celebrities who appeared in the film. 1999, April, Insight co-sponsors with Dr. Quinn fans, Dr. Jane Seymour's star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. In August, Joe Addy approaches Universal executives via an email campaign. She also writes detailing the film's legacy with an impressive statistics, asking for creation of the 20th anniversary special edition DVD, plus asking for a limited re-release of the film by October. The film receives special treatment for restoration, the creation of expensive answer print, which is shown at the Grand Hotel somewhere in Time Weekend in 1999. Which is ironic, that's the first year that I went up to Mackinac. Had I known that, whatever. Anyway, 2000. 
20th anniversary of Somewhere in Time. The film is celebrated at three events, an all-day Chicago feat in June, coordinated by Joe Addy, an all-day 20th anniversary Hollywood party, also coordinated by Joe Addy, held at Universal's Backlot Commission uh, Commissary in August, and the 10th of annual Somewhere in Time weekend at Grand Hotels in October Universal announces its release of the 20th Anniversary Collector's Edition DVD, which I actually also own. Gosh, I didn't realize I had so many different versions. Released on October 31st, with three and a half hours of bonus material, including an unprecedented segment on Insight, which founder Bill Shepard and Joe Addy appear. Acknowledging that all Insight has accomplished in the making of the film classic, hour-long documentary features all key creations of the film, including John Barry, Matheson, Swark, Simon, all key cast, including Reeve, Seymour, and Christopher Plummer. 2002, the 12th annual Summer in Time weekend at Grand Hotel is graced by the first ever time return of James Seymour. Every great moment is captured for all those um, in the Summer in Time event video. 2004, in February, the official Somewhere in Time website gets a beautiful new design by fan website designer Holly Jonas. 2004 marks 25 years since the filming of Somewhere in Time on Mackinac. Um, the original Somewhere in Time pocket watch movie prop was finally located. A 25-year mystery solved. An extensive nine-page feature story about this special timepiece is published in first quarter Insight issue. The full amazing story, documentation, and close-up photos of the history um, and the watch company who created it included. Christopher Reeve passes away on October 10, 2004 at the age of 52. The world loses a friend, star, and inspirational hero of the highest order. 2005 marks Somewhere in Time's 25th anniversary. Just in time for 2005, the 25th anniversary of the movie, an all-new edition of the Summer in Time story by Insight founder Bill Shepard comes to press. The fan's guide to the film updated and expanded to include all the milestones in the movie and over 125 photos. Um, faced um, in 2006, faced with imminent demise of Insight due to declining membership, the ardent members rallied to keep Insight going. The new tiered membership program is instituted. 2010 marks Somewhere in Time's 30th anniversary. 2013 Somewhere in Time musical on Broadway. Br producer Ken Davenport had its world premiere at Portland Center Stage Theater, Portland, Oregon, May 31st, 2013. The musical production ran for three weeks. It's customary for new Broadway productions to deba debut away from eyes and spies of Broadway to be tested in advance. Many Insight members journeyed to Portland to see the musical and were inspired. Sadly, Summer in Time writer Richard Matheson, who had put his blessings on the musical, died just as it was opening and never got to see it. The project was ultimately shelved. June 13, 2013, Richard Matheson, creator of Summer in Time by novel and screenplay, passed away at his home surrounded by his family and loved ones. He was 87. 2015, 35th anniversary of Summer in Time. Insight has special issues of all of that year. Jane Seymour attends the Summer in Time weekend and showed us how much she wanted to join us by having the Man of My Dreams gown recreated. 2018, director Jeanette Swark attends Summer in Time weekend just prior to his retirement and moving to France. 2019, Jane Seymour um, attends Summer in Time weekend fulfilling a lifelong dream of bringing her children and granddaughter to share the experience. 2020, the 40th anniversary of Somewhere in Time and the 30th annual Somewhere in Time weekend hampered by COVID-19 event is held, but very difficult, different and smaller than usual. When uh, Somewhere Time was made and released, it was made on a budget of $4 million and was a super hit at a box office gross of $9 million, which in today's standard is kind of crazy to think about some of these blockbusters that they have out there. But... This has gone on to where this comes into Somewhere in Time enjoys the cult classic status. It is one of the only three single motion pictures which can boast a fan base dedicated entirely to it. And the other two, Gone with the Wind and Wizard of Oz, are he um, Heady Company with major hits when they were released. 
Somewhere in Time is one of the most rented films of its age and time. Many people report that they have gone to this video store to rent it, only to find it checked out time after time. It continues to sell out on video among Universal's biggest blockbuster movies, including E.T. and Jaws. Richard Matheson was inspired to write Bid Time Return after being mesmerized by the portrait of famous actress Maude Adams hanging in the opera house at the Virginia City, Nevada during a trip. When he researched her, he found some interesting and mysterious facts about her reclusive life and wondered if, what may have occurred in her life. Thus, the idea for his novel was born. Math Matheson wrote uh, Bid Time Return primarily by playing Richard and living the experience himself while dictating into a tape recorder. It was the first time he wrote in this manner. He um, stayed several weeks at the Hotel Del Coronado, San Diego, California, the site of the story and his novel. Insight has offered his um, actual tapes on cassette in slipcase set for avid fans. Somewhere in Time received one Academy Award nomination for Best Costume Design, but unfortunately lost to the movie Test that year. I, I don't even know what that movie was. Um, costume designer for Somewhere in Time was Jean Par, Jean Pierre Dorliac. Again, I, I'm so sorry if I'm butchering these names. Who created the design for the principal actors? He has said that Jane's costume from the play, the diagonally layered white gown with general, generous crystal beading cost over $30,000. It was stolen before filming wrapped. The extensive collection of costumes worn by the extras were rented from several costume houses from one woman who traveled the world collecting vintage apparel. R.D. Musser, owner of the Grand Hotel, offered the use of the Grand to Universal for free in exchange for a favorable depiction of the hotel, which became one of the stars of the movie. All filming took place in the height of the season with the hotel fully booked. The film company worked around dining of paying guests, filming the dining room during the night. Several times, the parlor had to be changed from the present to the past in a matter of hours. A nightmare for set decorator Mary Ann Biddle. Her work included supervising her staff in laying oriental rugs, placing the furniture sets, and assembling the entire front desk. Up until that year, front desk was where it was depicted in the film, but it has been relocated to the lower level. Somewhere in Time brought so many thousands of curious grand hotels through the 80s. The hotel began charging people merely to walk the property. They felt they had to do something once the skateboarders on the front porch, especially in order to maintain the guest's privacy and high standard of operation. The fee um, began at $2, but is now $10, and is closely regulated. However, your $10 visitor fee can go towards their wonderful buffet luncheon. Mackinac Island does not allow motorized vehicles. It is mainly with horse and carriage along with bicycles only a tradition which continues to draw 90,000 visitors a year which is obviously more now when this was published who yearn to experience a charming ambiance of the past there are about 500 year-round residents which is still very true and one other movie was filmed on Mackinac the 1947 Esther Williams film The Time for Keeps a mediocre movie, but is now noteworthy for showing rare winter scenes on the island. It is on um, the pool at the Grand Hotel is also named the Esther Williams Pool. Mackinac Island does not allow motorized vehicles. Oh, sorry, read that already. <laughs> Fans are amazed by the fact, as was the film company, that a fully functional but dormant audio production studio production facility exists on Mackinac Island, formerly Mackinac College. It was built by the Moral rearmament movement after World War II to make propaganda films. The college has um, the college have folded in the mid 1960s and lain empty until 1979, when the former dormitory was being made into an inn. It was here that the production staff made their base among the prop shop, carpenter shop, administration offices, theater classrooms warehouses for costumes, dressing room, and makeup rooms. The enormous soundstage was used for all interior shots. Elise's and Richard's rooms, both past and present, the attic, the hallway, and the limbo set at the end. The cast and crew stayed in the dorm rooms, still plain and adequate in decor. 
This facility was unknown to the production staff until they visited the island to scout the location of the Grand Hotel and grounds that is now Mission Point. Every setting required by Somewhere in Time script was found on Mackinac Island. They needed a college campus, a magnificent hotel, a theater with a stage, and of course horses and carriages, as well as a lakeshore. Kismet, serendipity, you bet. Not one frame of film was shot in Los Angeles. Somewhere in Time was filmed entirely on Mackinac Island, except four days in Chicago, where Richard's apartment, the library scene, and of course the driving shot on Lakeshore Drive was filmed. I wondered about that with the library scene. Because if you've ever gone to Mackinac Island Library, there's I, I didn't think it could have been there. Lighting equipment, props, and set dressings and costumes for principals and a myriad of extras were caravaned across the country from Los Angeles to Michigan in large semi-trailer trucks. At St. Ignace, the semi-trailers were placed on barges to transport to the island, the State Parks Commission, which is a ruling body, was petitioned to allow them moving trailers on the island. Permission was granted with the provision that the trucks could not go faster than a person could walk. And to keep this rule, a man would walk in front of the trucks whenever they were moved to various locations. Most of the transport was done before dawn and after midnight, so as not to interfere with bicycle and carriage traffic, because as mentioned before, this was during peak season. While Somewhere in Time was trounced by jaded critics, the fans knew better, and the film found its own audience. Despite being in theaters for only three weeks or less in some areas, it did its own marketing by word of mouth and via the medium of cable, which started showing the film when cable stations were brand new avenues of film offering. Cable stations found themselves deluged with letters asking for the movie to be run again and again. Consequently, the studio belated, belatedly realized how much the movie was loved. Somewhere in Time was used by the Universal to test the market for soundtrack sales. Once the movie hit cable, an article in Variety in 81 said studios had expected the soundtrack sales were basically over after the movie finished its theatrical release and did not expect to see cable showings to have an impact. But with Summer in Time, the music stories were so overwhelmed with requests for the soundtrack that 50,000 more album pressings had to be done to satisfy the initial need. Thus, Universal used Summer in Time as its barometer for all cable stations then in existence, for post-theater impact and soundtrack generate. The music soundtrack of Summer in Time by John Barry, his all-time best-selling score, outsold all of his other soundtracks put together. The production could not afford John Barry and did not approach him to be a composer until Jane Seymour, a longtime friend of Barry's, offered to get John involved. Impressed with the story, he was pleased to be part of the production, but his fee was an issue. He accepted a percentage of the soundtrack sales for the first time in his career. It turned out to be a fortuitous move because the soundtrack still sells impressively throughout the world. Somewhere in Time, as mentioned earlier, is a huge hit in the Orient. Out of nine or ten starring roles in the scripts offered to him after the first Superman film, Christopher Reeve chose to do Summer in Time because of the emotional challenge it afforded him. Summer in Time had a much smaller budget than others and far less to offer him for the role, but he chose to despite his agent's strong urging against it. Jane Seymour came to audition reading for Elise wearing a 1912-era gown and hairdo, basically said, I am Elise McKenna. And I have, um, and I have to play this part. Dozens of actresses read to be for the coveted role. Jane has one green eye and one brown eye, and her real name is Joyce Penelope Wilhelmia Frankenberg. Summer in Time is the first film to be photographed using two different film stocks for the purpose of enhancing the contrast between two different time periods. Present scenes were shot using. Eastman Kodak stock for its realism and 1912 scenes used um, Fuji film stock for its softer, almost sepia tones suggested by cinematographer Izzy Munfoski. A pastel pellet was used exclusively for past scenes to enhance this effect. Also, 1912 scenes favored the use of wide-angle lenses, whereas present shots used longer lenses, telephoto. 
Director Swork felt this, too, would enhance the time period variations. A huge wrap party was thrown on the lawn to the Grand Hotel following the completion of the seven weeks of filming in mid-July. The entire cast and crew membering, numbering about 70 people had a glorious picnic, and many of them ended up in the pool, fully clothed, including Jeannette Swart, Christopher Reed, Jane Seymour, Susan French, elderly Elise, removed her silk outfit so as not to ruin it before jumping in, in her underclothes. So those are some interesting facts for you to know about that. Now, you cannot discuss somewhere in time without talking about Jane Seymour and Christopher Reeve because it is well known and she has talked about it that they fell in love during this movie and you can you can see it um there was an article that I came across in Entertainment Weekly where Jane Seymour recalls her and Christopher Reeve falling madly in love making somewhere in time Somewhere in Time has remained a romantic favorite since it first hit theaters in 1980, but it turns out a real love story went beyond one on screen. At the TMC Classic Film Festival this, part week, this past weekend, Jane Seymour opened up about her and co-star Christopher Reeve falling hard for each other while making the time travel romance. The actress has long spoken of the enduring friendship she and Reeve cultivated on the film, but has rarely discussed their romantic relationship. Well, here comes the story that I'm officially telling you now. Because Chris and I, when we made the film, we literally fell madly in love. Seymour confessed to TMC host Alicia Malone and an audience of several hundred classic movie lovers. When you see this film, excuse me, when you see this film, you will see the real thing. But what we didn't let anyone know. So a few people who had worked on the show kind of sussed it out. But we were as subtle as we could be about it. Seymour has previously acknowledged her romance with Reeve, including on people's TV couch surfing, which you can watch. She got into particulars at the TCM Festival, becoming visibly emotional when discussing their love for each other and the forces of the universe that broke them apart. If the revelation of their romance was enough of case art, of case of art imitating life or vice versa, Seymour also said their relationship ended the same day she filmed the scene in which her character, Lise, loses Rich, um, Richard. We were madly in love and life was wonderful, she recalled. We were both single. It was a fantastic, amazing experience. And then one day, I came into work to film one of the biggest scenes of the movie. Just before that, Chris had an earlier call and I came in about a half hour later. And they said, Chris needs to talk to you about something. I thought that's really odd. We had a long time, we've had a long time to talk about things, so what could it be? It was that he was about to have a baby and that his ex-girlfriend hadn't told him and that she had just announced it to the world, Seymour continued. Reeve's ex, Gay Exton, was pregnant with their son, Matthew. The two would go on to have a second child together, daughter Alexandra. But Seymour still had to complete the day's work after hearing this crushing news, filming a scene which Elise is deliriously in love with Richard after they've made love for the first time only to lose him in the, as he traveled back in time. I then had to put my big girl pants on, she said. When I watched that scene, I can literally see the tears coming halfway at my eyeballs. And I just kept saying, you can't cry. You can't cry. You can't cry. You're happy. Elise is really happy right now. Seymour and Reeve remained lifelong friends, which she recently discussed with EW. While reflecting on her most memorable roles, she even named her son Christopher after her former co-star. The good part of the story is that Chris went on to have these two beautiful children and may met one another on many occasions, Seymour told festival audience. We remained really, really close friends, literally until the day he died. I have to believe that I will one day see him again somewhere in time. That makes me want to cry. I love that so much. Um, because you could, you could just feel their love that they had for one another. Um, so a few other behind the scenes thing, um, that I found. This was interesting. This is on fastrewind.com. And let's see here. Some of the things that they shared. Um, in another quirk of fate, Susan French, elderly Elise, was born in 1912, same year as the film. After her parents honeymooned at the Hotel Del Coronado, which is where Richard Matheson originally intended the movie to be filmed, 
he wrote the original book, Big Time Rebirth. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Big Time Return while staying at the Dell. Unfortunately, the Dell is surrounded by modern condos, which special effects at the time weren't sophisticated enough to remove. So someone suggested the Grand, built the same year as the Dell, and the rest is history. The concept of the novel was led by the author coming across the photo of Maude Adams. Um, at the time, Somewhere in Time was filmed, no motor vehicles were allowed on Mackinac Island, so the entire cast and crew made good use of bicycles. And in fact, um, somewhere, um, excuse me, Mackinac Island just celebrated their 150th anniversary since banning cars on the island. Christopher Reeve put his flying abilities to good use when he would take his plane out. When there were breaks for shooting, he'd take uh, co-star Seymour to a restaurant elsewhere for dinner. So those were some fun little side notes with that. Um, here are some little mistakes that were made um somewhere in time mistakes a factual error in the scenes that take place in 1912 on the porch of the hotel you can sometimes see american flags in the background the flags in the movie have 50 stars the 50 star flag wasn't adopted until after 1959. in 1912 richard collier gives young arthur his ball and above their heads you can see the 1980 fire sprinklers in the ceiling when reeve signs his guest register at the hotel in 1912, his signature is different from the one that he saw on the register that he found in the attic. Um, during filming, director Jeanette Swark had communication problems with both Christopher Reeve and Christopher Plummer. Every time he would say Chris, both Reeves and Plummer would respond. To put an end to it, he started addressing Christopher Plummer as Mr. Plummer and Christopher Reeve as Bigfoot. When Richard Collier leaves the men's room, bloody from his first encounter with the straight razor, the bearded man who stares him in the hall and declares astonishing is screenwriter Richard Matheson in his cameo role. His screen credit at the end reads, Astonished Man. So some of the favorite quotes for Summer in Time, Richard Collier, please don't leave. You have no idea how far I've come to be with you. Older Elise, come back to me. Richard Collier. I owe you an apology. I understand you now. You have nothing but the best motives in mind for her, but so do I. So here's some questions, and I, I actually love that they did this. Okay, because this is, you know, when it comes to these time travel movies or shows, when you start thinking about it, it can really send you down a spiral. Okay, when Richard accidentally pulls a coin out of his pocket, he says that it is Penny and is sent back to his own time. After being weakened upon his trip back to the future, why, after what was likely several days of getting his full strength back, wasn't able to return to the past? His mentor told him returning to his old time would leave him weakened, but given enough time he could get back. He could have gone back in the past again. So here's the answer. He was no longer able to put everything out of his mind, which was a requirement to successfully time travel. He was distraught and unable to focus enough mentally stopped eating and as time went on he became weaker and weakened weaker and weaker okay so this is another one before old author leaves the room why did he get the feeling that he and richard had met before because they had met before when richard went back in time in 1912 author was a five-year-old boy old author remembers or at least recognizes richard from that time which is so weird if you start so if you start thinking he goes to the Grand, he sees old Arthur, but then he travels back and sees the young Arthur, but then the old Arthur remembers him as that. It's just, you could really go down a whole spiral if you did with that. This year's Summer in Time weekend for um, the island is October 27th through the 29th, and I feel that one of the years when I do finally stay at the Grand Hotel is going to be during this time because what better way to experience one of my favorite movies than doing that. Okay, so something interesting too, you can, down at the um, Travelers Bureau, you can go down and get um, your map of the island, which is always really good to do to keep with you. I always keep a map with me in my wallet because I always like to. When you open it up, inside there I'm doing that right now so if you hear something that's what it is you're gonna find 
somewhere in time there's like it's down in the one corner it's a somewhere in time moving locations and it goes a through k so here's here's where you've got you've got arthur's cottage baxter's coin shop grand hotel external lawn scenes external theater scenes um is it you plaque the gazebo the original location then the gazebo moved east off for mackinac laura roberts house location at mission point resort the film studio theater and classrooms and then the stables which are now demolished so it's it's fun to look those up and then they have like a a clock a time a little clock there with that um it's fun to go and check those out while you're there if you've not had an opportunity to see the gazebo they've moved it up by the fort which then you can take down to see Anne's tablet which is one of the things that I love to do because then you can take a little hike up and see down into downtown um somewhere in time it just is a classic movie it's just such a it's I the, I'm not kidding guys the music I cannot play the music on here for you um when it comes to music like that because it's copyrighted i can't even give you a small little snippet of it i do not want to get in trouble and understandably because they worked really hard for it so they have that right um so if you do not um listen to the music it's stunning and the way he composed it with that as well too a little bit about the music i want to share with you on that note anyway so what john barry did is he used um, Rachmaninoff's ultra-romantic variation number 18 from Rhapsody on a theme of Pagnini. Rachmaninoff's Pagnini variations were already in play, so to speak, very um, belated came to the film. So that's why you see Rachmaninoff listed in the soundtrack when you listen to it. Several times, like when my one girlfriend got married on the island, it, the music is when they do like a video and they have all of it somewhere in time a lot of times is already thrown on there when you're when you've gotten married on the island because it's just it's so beautiful you guys it's 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 one of those i don't even care if you weren't into the movie if you love the music it's just overwhelmingly beautiful john barry was an amazing composer like so many dances with wolves is another consideration of um composed music that he does it's just it like you you feel it and i love that so um i was it, i mean they were so luckily you know able to get him and he he loved the story too so i mean it was just an added bonus because they weren't able to pay him you know so that was an added gem for them to do on it somewhere in time is again a cult classic you know, he goes in, and I'll just do, you know, I did the synopsis at the beginning, but I'm going to run through the movie really fast for you guys, just to know how it kind of goes. It starts out with him in his college, and Richard is there, and he's wrapped his first play, and you overhear him saying that it could be good enough for Broadway. And then in the background, you see this older woman, and she approaches him and gives him a watch, and she says, come back to me. And he's like, I don't know who the heck that was. Well, it fast forwards to like seven years later in Chicago. And he's listening to Rachmaninoff's, you know, John Barry's composing of that. And his publisher comes up to him and he's like not able to write. Him and his girlfriend had just broken up and he just is going to leave. He just needs a break. He doesn't know where he's going and he's just driving. And it shows him driving up past the Grand Hotel, which we all know is not possible for so many reasons, but still, he didn't really know that at the time, I don't think. So he goes and checks himself into the hotel, and um, that's where he first meets Arthur, who um, talks about how he's been there forever, and he used to play ball in the lobby. From there, he takes, um, gets ready and goes down to get ready for dinner, and he has to wait a little bit. So he decides to go into the Hall of History, and that is where he first sees Elise McKenna's picture. And that is where the music first grabs you in, because it is just stunning. Um, Christopher Reeve had not seen that picture until they filmed that scene. So that was something else that added to the special part of that whole moment. After that moment, he goes and asks Arthur who that is. He tells him it's Elise McKenna, and she started in play in 1912. And he then goes down to the library and starts researching her. 
And upon research, comes across the picture of an old woman that he realizes the old woman that gave him the watch, and that was Elise McKenna. He then contacts down a dear friend of hers that worked with her, goes to her house, and she has a room set up of all this stuff from Elise McKenna, her dress, and in there is a book about time travel that was one of his professors at college, and he tells her that, and she said she read that book over and over. And then he sits down, and there's the Grand Hotel, and it's a music box, and it, when he lifts it up, it, it's playing the, the music that he was listening to in his apartment, which is his favorite music. He then goes to his professor at the old college and asks him if time travel is possible, and he explains how to do it, and so he decides to try it. And he goes and gets a suit and coins and everything to... And I say coins because Baxter coin shop. And um, that's kind of fun to actually watch that scene. You get a small glimpse of what downtown looked like in 1980 as to now, which it has changed, not dramatically, but there has been some changes with it. So then he goes back and he starts doing things and he's just frustrated. He can't get in the mindset. And so he runs down to Arthur. No, he goes back down to the Hall of History and he sees um, the ledgers of when guests would check in. So he goes up after he finds out from Arthur where the ledger is and he finds the book that he was there in 1912. So at that point he is more, you know, like I know I'm supposed to go back. He goes down and he eventually travels back in time. From there, he finally locates Elise McKenna to the infamous, beautiful scene that makes me cry when he's walking down to her along the shore, which is where the rock is, with the plaque that says, is it you? And it's just the obstacle of what he has to go through, her manager, to get around him to have permission to speak with Elise. Because when Elise finds out that he's a playwright, she has, you know, a few hesitations because I think she's thinking he's just using her because she's an actress. And the next day they decide to go explore, you know, all around, talk, do all of that. And they share their first kiss when he takes her back to the room and her manager comes then and that's the first time she stands Elise stands up to him and that night is the play and Richard meets her there which there is a seat dedicated in the theater at Mission Point Theater um, that he sat in and she takes off script from the play talking about the man of my dreams and then goes back into it after that she goes and sits down and that is when the portrait is taken and she does the smile once Richard walks backstage to see her. And that is the same moment of the picture that is in the Hall of History. So see, it's all folded around with that. So then after that, her manager sends a letter to Richard. And he has some guys attack him. And he tell, um, after the play, Elise is looking for him and he says he's gone, he's left. And she's like, I'm going to find him. I love him. And they end up finding each other. And the next day after they've been together, he is, she's making fun of his suit. The suit has become a big thing um, through the movie because I guess that it, when he gets it in the future, in the past, it's in a very old suit. And so he then says... Um, look, it's got all these tiny pockets. And then there he pulls out a penny. And it's a penny from the future, which he has not thought about. But it takes him out of the trance, and he goes back to the future. And back in the future, he just can't get his mind around leaving her. And it just is, he basically dies of heartbreak. And then you see him going and meeting Elise and they walk off together and live forever and it just is a unique story I think if I sometimes if I think too much about the time travel you're like wait if there was this like with the watch like where did how did she get the watch from him getting the watch like there's all this if you think about the watch because it's just funny because she because he had it but he, she had to give it to him it's just a funny it's it's a funny switch around um so it was just a beautiful love story. I love that. And I always, right before I go to Mackinac, 
I sit down and I watch um, Somewhere in Time. Now, some of the places when I stayed at the Murray Hotel, they have Somewhere in Time playing 24-7 on one of the channels. And um, you see all sorts of um, trinkets located throughout the island for Somewhere in Time. The Somewhere in Time part of Grand Hotel has moved down along with the Esther Williams tribute. They've, um, because they've redone the whole first, the bottom floor down there. So where it was before they've moved it down, they have his hat and they just have some pictures and different things like that. It's always fun to go down there and capture that. Of course, there's the infamous scene when she comes around and yells his name. At the time when they filmed this, it's, you can see, they actually, when I was just there recently, they've cut down a lot of stuff, but at one point it had really kind of uh, grown up with stuff so there in the movie it was more exposed with the steps but um at up to a few years ago there was a lot of stuff all around there and even when they're going up to the grand hotel there were all these trees along the trail those trees are no longer there so just as fun to see the differences and the changes with it if you have not watched this movie and you love Mackinac island you have to you have to watch it it is just it just makes your love of the island even better and it's fun to go see other places that are part of this film and to see people that might have had an experience with it or gone there with it um i don't th um i don't know if jane seymour is coming back she usually makes an announcement if she's coming back i know she did last year um was it last year or two years ago now i can't remember but um they'll let you know if she's coming and um she had to as i mentioned this dress got stolen so she had to recreate the dress that she wore and it's just beautiful it's just i love i love the dress when he first meets her and she goes to dinner and they dance i love that dress um but she just is a gorgeous woman and he is so handsome and they just oh my gosh you, you and knowing that they actually fell in love makes it even better i guess that they used to sneak off in his airplane um and which is really kind of funny because you know there were places to eat and stuff on the island but i think they just wanted to have some quiet time together um so i just really enjoyed deep diving into it a little bit more i thought it was kind of appropriate for this episode i don't know i have been working really hard on getting the new website and the merchandise that i want to put out for the podcast together i had hoped to have it ready this is being recorded before it's being put out so I do not know if it's going to be launched I had wanted to have it launched by this episode release you'll know if it's down in the show notes if it made it or not I am not tech savvy so this has been a lot of work a lot of frustration on my end it has also been fun it's going to be very 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 rewarding when it is done it's going to be also very very helpful for you guys in so many other ways because it's so much more about the episodes i want to be able to have links for you guys to go on to um, for different places that i've talked about in there and and just so many more connections because that's something that i feel is kind of lacking um on my end that it makes it easier for you all okay i feel like i've rambled on for a long enough now um as always, I want to thank everyone that reaches out and shares with me. Lots of fun things coming up on the show um, every week. And um, thank you to um, all that still send me information if I might not catch it. Because I can't believe the summer is going by as quick as it is. It's just insane. So I hope everyone is enjoying theirs. And if they have a trip planned, I hope you get to enjoy Mackinac Island soon. So... That concludes this week's episode of Totally Mackinac Island. I look forward to talking to you next week about our favorite place. Totally Mackinac Island is written, produced, and edited by me, Heather.